They say small business is the backbone of America. So what's the best way to support a small business? It is to learn more about them and share with your family and friends. We interview founders from across the world who have started and scaled their business through the ups and downs, long hours, and the rewards that come from sacrificing their time to build their business. Welcome to First to Arrive, Last to Leave, The Journey of an Entrepreneur. Welcome to another episode of First Arrive, Last to Leave. I'm Erin Greger. I'm Courtney Radloff. And today we have a very another special guest straight out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, we have Josh Kunkel here, and he is the co-founder and managing partner of The Method Group. And what The Method Group is, I want to make sure I'm reading this correctly, it's you provide architecture and interior ser- design services that help it- that help awesome people build and revitalize communities. I love this whole thing, Josh. I love the work you're doing on your site. So welcome and thank you so much for being here. Thank you. We love it too. So, and actually with since we're talking about 10KSB, one of the things that we're going to be updating is that it's um, we work with developers, real estate developers, and owner operators more specifically. And so it's, um, it's one of the things that I learned in the, one of the marketing sessions is to be like, you have to throw out there what you want to receive back. And so, and that's something that we've learned and we're so open to trying things. Like I like change for change sake, sometimes to my detriment. Um, but we're also one of the successes of our business is we're just willing to like pivot and try something else, test it and iterate on that. And that helps keep us nimble, which again, in starting our firm, it was really about kind of making these adjustments from this. We're an established industry that's been going for a very long time. And so I felt like there was things that could be done to make it better. So let's talk about the beginning, because I know you talk about wanting to to reimagine is the word you use on your site, but you Mm -hmm. wanted to do something different in the architect, how the architecture world was running. So can you, and I'm going to be, be naive in this. I don't know. I know that you build buildings, but you know, I don't know enough of the history. So can you talk a little bit about where you were, what was happening, where you came to a place that you were like, you know what, I can do this different. I can do this better. And I'm going to do this on my own. Yeah. So um, the first thing is my dad is a small business owner. He's a residential contractor. I grew up on job sites. That's why I have a fascination for how things go together, particularly like I'm interested in everything. And that's where, you know, great architects, actually, their knowledge is shallow, but really, really wide. And so, you know, a little bit of a lot of things. Whereas like an engineer knows a whole lot about one very specific thing and they don't know a whole lot about, they don't know nothing about the other stuff. And so for me, you know, I just, I really have a fascination with how things go together. And so some of that is I have a a great interest and um, desire to work on from culture, from structure, how how the firm architecture firm actually operates and so with that kind of foundation um we had actually 
I had been at a previous firm and we kind of had the feel that they didn't want to be in the architecture business anymore in our area because they did primarily civil engineering and surveying. And so we approached them and said, hey, we don't think you want to be in the architecture business anymore. And we'd kind of like to start a firm. And they said, you know what, we agree. And so they let us take all of our projects and our clients with us. And that's how we started the firm. And so it's really highly unusual um, because most people in that firm in particular had started several other firms, but it was through taking clients with them, you know, in kind of a negative way and a, a hurtful and harmful way. And we wanted to do it the what I considered to be the right way and doing it as a win-win scenario. That's a That's a crazy story. That's amazing. So you get these clients were you like, yeah, I know how to, I'm going to run. I mean, obviously you had some experience growing up with your dad, but were you terrified? Were you confident? A little bit of everything? All of it. <laughs> and so, you know, like whenever you start a business, you know, you go through the honeymoon phase where everything's going great and like you're king of the mountain or queen of the mountain. And then the reality starts setting in. And so for us, that reality was we worked predominantly with public clients, so schools and municipalities. And we had carried and transferred over those contracts. But whenever new contracts came up, we weren't winning a single one of them because they're like, you know what? You're too new for us as a firm. And that's a risk and we're not willing to take that risk. And so, you know, we started like we're 0 for 14 on these, like in the first eight months or so. And we're like the, we started with a SBA 7A loan. Um, and so we had, were running out of all of that and we didn't have the revenue coming in that we needed to support our team. We started with five full-time people, by the way, um, which in our industry has a lot. Um, that's our number one expense is uh, people. Um, so we had to make some pretty significant adjustments. That was kind of our first pivot um, in that we had to switch markets um, and so we went over into the private market pretty hard because those projects, you know, was based on kind of the relationship and not necessarily qualifications, even though we had the qualifications. Um, it's more you're working with the decision maker directly and they can go, yes, we will hire you. And so it also it we had the we started with a business develop full-time business development person and we found that he didn't know how to do it effectively or within the structure so we had to let him go and because we couldn't afford him and he wasn't successful in that role and so we really had to figure it out like start from zero how do we win projects and how do we do that in a hurry um, and so that's kind of the first restart and that's all businesses go through this. All businesses go to where they kind of hit that point and go, oh shit, we have to do something else. Uh, but that's also like, we just celebrated our fifth anniversary as a firm and 50% of all businesses have failed 
by this point. And I know because we watch is there's a lot of firms that started before us and after us that they've closed their firm and gone back to work for somebody else or they got acquired or they're no longer in business, but we still are. And so, you know, it's, um, and that's where the 10 KSB, you know, the reason I went into it is because I don't have a business background. I just have real world experience being the child of a business owner that really wanted to do the work and a business was the way to get there. He didn't really want to run the business. I want to run the business. And so it's, um, so I read voraciously. So, um, last year I finally achieved my goal of reading over 50 books in a year. I did 58, um, which all, you know, a lot of the people that I look up to like Warren Buffett and, um, Ray Dalio and Bill Gates, you know, they all read, you know, hundreds of books a year. And so there's still an ocean between me and them from, uh, reading, but I'm dyslexic. And so I'm a slow reader. And that's pretty spectacular for that. But this year, my goal is 36 books, and I'm on track for that because I just finished book number 20 yesterday. Um, so it's, um, it's, but the 10 KSB program provided a pretty comprehensive look of what, what is it really, what, what should running a business look like? Um, and so that's where a lot of things we were doing really well. Um, but the biggest thing was the detail in the financials and like really drilling down and really having a good understanding. So through that, we actually built some really, we had some, we have an Excel wizard on our team and we created, um, some really outstanding, um, financial review spreadsheets, um, that we can review both where we are today where we've been and where we're going um, because we now have projections figured into it with accuracy. And can we back up though, like to, because I'd really love to know, like you talked about the financials, but you know, where, and that's probably the one that everybody answers, like what that shift was coming in, going in versus coming out. Can you talk about something like you said, you know, I wasn't a business person. I was an arc. I mean, you're an architect and that's a lot of businesses out there, right? You're really good at a skill, but you've got to be good at business in order to be, to fund being able to do the skill. So, you know, what were the big takeaways out of financials and, and drilling down, but for you as a business owner to say, huh, okay, I know I need to watch my financials, but what else that helped you become the leader you wanted to be and actually run the business to get it to a five-year mark? So I think some of it is just, you know, confidence. Um, it's really, you know, I really enjoyed the week in New York being around like other business owners. Like I, I'm totally okay being on Zoom, but I also really, really love New York City and the magical place that it is. And so, you know, it's just, one thing that we're all going through similar things, but it's also being around other people that are interested in growing and doing more than what they're doing. And they see, there's this book that I just read by Ben Hardy um, called The Gap in the Game. 
And it's this understanding of really understanding where you are with that is what I was missing because my brain always lives in the future. And so I never, like, I knew where we had been and I know where we're going, but today seemed irrelevant because I already lived it in my mind. And so, so I've never really had a good grasp of where we are today. And so that was really probably the most foundational thing that I got out of it was just really centering in where are we today? What are we capable of doing? And where then where, how can we build off that and go into the future? That is so powerful and extremely, I'm like, I feel that so deeply because I'm constantly thinking ahead, but you, and that's because we have to, right? You're, you're, we you're have to the next trend. Yep. You're going to um, pitch the next idea and you often forget right where you are. You're going to have to repeat that book for me later when we're off. But I, that sounds, um, it's amazing. One of the questions I have that you were, when we first started talking was you, you were zero for 14. What was the tipping point that made the customers start to lean back in um, to you guys? Or was it a whole new subset of people? So we had to, so basically all of our clients that we started with, none of them are clients today because we don't, that's not our target audience anymore. And so we completely repivoted. So like all of the clients that we have today, those are the ones that get us out of bed every day. Those are the ones that we want. Those are the ones that were the clients and the projects that get us excited. And so like, that's a powerful feeling too, because we've had clients to where it's the, well, they kind of make us want to stay in bed a little longer and get a couple of hours extra sleep. And so they really don't. And, and, you know, some of that is just, you know, coming out of firms that were predominantly generalist firms and were niche, any client was a good client. Any project was a good project. And that's terrible. So, because it doesn't have to be that way. So it, again, it's it, like, we think of in medicine and in law, there's extreme specialization in those industries. There's still GPs, you know, and the general lawyers, but the ones that are really successful are the ones that specialize. And so that's what, you know, in starting the firm and going through that first phase, this, where we're at today, this was kind of always the direction. It just, again, it's that reality and the future reality, there's a gap in between. And for us, that takes time because our projects, like it takes three years from the start of building a relationship to being awarded a sizable project, like three year cycle there. And then that project may last two, three, four, five years. And so our cycles are really long. So that's the other thing that I have to be reminded of because I'm, ex I'm particularly impatient because I want that future today. And it's, it's, you know, like Elon Musk, you know, talking about going, you know, to space and building an EV empire and all of that. That is that, uh, you know, my favorite book is, um, Steve Jobs' biography by Walter Isaacson. And one of the things is his reality, Steve Jobs' reality distortion field. 
And that's one of the things that I appreciate the most is because he made you believe that you could do it and that this impossible thing was achievable. And I think that's what we're trying to do with the firm is there's so many of these things that, you know, doing large projects, being only five years old as a firm and having started from zero, basically with client list, you know, that doesn't seem possible, but we're doing some of that, you know, making a firm that's friendly and flexible for families like mine, I have four kids. And so like, it's that, that didn't exist in, in our industry. And that's that reality we're trying to pull into, into today, into existence. Well, I was just going to say, so I want to piggyback off that question because you kind of just went like, okay, and then we, you know, we're over 14, we're running out of money, and then we're going to go private sector. And then we've got this business development person who's kind of not doing so hot. I, I want you to take us back to that place of where you're, you're deciding like, okay, we're, we're falling kind of flat on our faces here, or we feel like we're falling flat on our face. Like yeah. it wasn't going the way you hoped it would. So I don't know if private was on the radar when you all first started this, or if that was like, we've got to put that on the radar now, but I would love to like help us understand like what, where you all were and, and what made you decide, okay, we're going to go do this. And now you've got to, you've got to be a business development person. And it's not like I can go like with my business. I can, honestly, I know I can go on LinkedIn. I can find some clients in a couple of weeks. Right. And they're going to get mm -hmm. started. I don't have a three year <laughs> timeline. So I just, I'm still like in amazement that this was turned around in the timeline that it was. So I don't know, you know, if you could take us into that moment or whatever, but I would love to understand more of how you all decided that and yeah. those decisions that you made to get you there. Well, let's bring our flashlights. That was a pretty dark place. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> um, but it's really like, again, it's, again, it's whenever they tell you about, you know, if you want to start a business, like you've got to have more than just, you got to be excited about it. Like you really got to be all in on it because those moments are going to come. And those having that just down to your core, stubborn, willful, you know, willfulness to make it happen. That's what's necessary in order to survive as a business in order to thrive as a business. Like it's easy whenever things are successful, but um, actually um, my one of my other top three books is The Hard Thing About Hard Things uh, by Ben Horowitz. And, um, you know, I cry every single time I read it, but it's it's a story of triumph because it he talks through every time they went through this exact period and how they were able to just muster the gumption to just push through it. And so that's really, we had no other option but to survive. And so we did everything in, as we possibly could, you know, we loaned every single dollar that we possibly could, pulled every favor, every introduction, and it finally turned on enough that we could make payroll and then breathe just a little bit. And then six months later, on a blind referral, we got um, 
we were we successfully got a 14 million dollar project that we've been working on for the last four years and so it's you know we're on the first phase of it it's almost finished but like that project was such a huge win because it was exactly the kind of project and exactly the kind of client that we wanted um, now it had its bumps we went through covid with that project and the original bank that said, yes, we're going to lend on it, put a big old asterisk behind it and said, yeah, but we're going to change our terms. And after they told us, and so, and we're going to give you worse terms, way worse terms, but we'll still do it. But they took eight months to get to that point whenever we could have gotten a new bank, which ended up happening. And so, but that single project was really, really what fully got us out. And then, you know, because of that project, which was because of one of one single project that we had before, you know, we, we really had, it's a historic preservation project. It's also doing apartments. And those are two things that those are actually niche areas of ours. And so historic and housing. And those are two areas that we have all of the passion in the world for. And that's what gets us up out of bed every day. And so like, it's great to be able to do those, those projects, but that one was super impactful for us, but it came because I knew an editor for the newspaper had a good relationship there. He ran a story whenever we opened as a business and he, and he did these things called five questions with Rhett Morgan. And so we did one and that one hit. And then in the same time, the chamber loved us for some reason and ran a similar one. And we were the featured small business in our quarterly chamber report. And those ran within two weeks of each other. Well, the person who referred us read both of those and said, and then had a client come in and said, hey, I want to do this project, but I don't know how. And he said, you need to talk to Josh at Method Group. He didn't know us, but he knew us enough. He's like, this is the right person. So uh, the chamber loves it because, you know, it's it it's shows there's value in the, being in the chamber, um, which there is. Um, but again, it just like so much luck involved. Well, and I know Courtney, you have a question, but this is the power of showing up. Like you show up, yeah. you go, and I'm just going to say this real, the reason, this is the one reason why you are around and all these other people aren't that you talked about, like the firms, because when the times get tough, majority of people, you know what? Mm, corporate America was a little easier. Going back to the firm was a little easier, but I didn't have to do this. And you, you're, this isn't an option that, that is right there why you're still around, but Courtney, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was going to go down on the, at a, um, a different direction in terms of like, uh, you niche down now are all of your projects local to you. This always fascinates me about architects. So I'm, I'm this is why I'm, this question is coming up because you have to physically be on site or no. So that's where our technology comes in and that's. So we're kind of in this bridge in this in this this kind of weird middle. Uh, all of our stuff lives in the gray, all of our projects, because we do the complicated and the complex, and it's not as simple as like here's a 
empty green field in suburbia, we're putting a Starbucks on it. Easy, done, done, done. Like our projects already exist. They have lots of complexities to them, you know, or we're putting something to where we're going up against the lot lines, you know, traditional Main Street in a lot of communities that's illegal to build today because the, all of the codes and stuff, but those are the kinds of projects we do. And so for us, we work other places. So I'm licensed in five states and we've worked in all five of those states. Um, so like for you guys in Dallas, so we did a three-story mixed-use project over in, um, um, shoot, at Texas A&M. And College so, yeah. yeah, and so um, actually in Bryan, so suburb of College Station. Um, but we've never been on site. Ever. We've never met the client in person because we've done this. And because it's a green field, they have a local civil there. They have a good understanding of the codes and the zoning. And so, but, and we have a good understanding of how to do these mixed use buildings. And so we met together and were able to do project. And like we did another in a historic school in uh, Grand Junction, Colorado. We did a wine bar and a tap room. And so we have um, a laser scanner. And so it's called a Matterport Pro 3. And I just took it on the plane with me, flew up there. We laser scanned. We actually ended up scanning the whole building while we were there. Um, so if we had future projects, we could do have the scan. Um, but that gives us a digital presence at our office in Tulsa. I'm obsessed. That's amazing. <laughs> so where does your staff, like, are they all Oklahoma based or is everybody virtual? Um, so we're both. So hybrid is the hardest one to manage. Um, as, but we were that way before COVID. And so we actually had a depth of expertise in it going into COVID that then we got even better at it. And so we have right now, um, we have four of our five that are, or three of our five that are here in Tulsa. We have one in Austin, and then we have one in Denver. Um, so, but that's where for us, because we're hybrid like that, our perspective is digital first. And so everything runs through digital means. So we have Slack internally. We use Zoom for all of our meetings. Almost all of our meetings are hybrid and have a digital component to them. And then all of our technology also is, uh, we use ClickUp for our project management system. And you know we have all of the things that are cloud-based. So we don't have a server. And that was a decision we made at the very beginning back in 2018. No server, all laptops and iPads too. But um, so we don't have anything other than our big, nice monitors that we have. Um, everything is movable and um, work anywhere. So when you work on a project, does the entire team have feedback on it or is one person assigned to it and then how does that work so it depends upon the size of the project but in general we work as a team um, because there's a lot of ego 
in our industry about this lone genius. And in a lot of cases, that may be true. So like my parents are from Wisconsin, um, where Frank Lloyd Wright is from. So like all growing up, I, I heard of no other architects but Frank Lloyd Wright. And so, and I even been to um, um, some of his projects in Wisconsin and have seen them. Um, but the idea that there's one genius that, you know, kind of wills it to happen is false. And so it takes a whole team to make projects happen. And so we tend to lean more towards team than individual. We still have a leader because you, if you don't have a leader, then everybody's thinking that everybody else is doing something, but maybe that's not happening. Or you've got to, somebody has to make a decision. And so, you know, sometimes whenever the decision isn't obvious, you as leader have to take all of the feedback and then make a decision and then go. So, um, and in most of what we do, decisions can be changed in the future. So you make a decision, you keep going, and if you get more information that changes that decision, change the decision. So we work as a team. So speaking of team, I don't want to gloss over this either, but is it your wife that you've is a co-founder of this company too? Yes. Um, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's a whole new dynamic that we could have a whole other podcast about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I most of the time we work well together. <laughs> so sometimes it's a little tense. Uh, but um, so she actually didn't start in the business whenever we started because we started the firm between kids three and four. And some of the impetus was, hey, Josh, if you, I support you, and if you're going to do this, you need to do it now so we can get the firm launched before baby number four gets here. And so so we started in June 1st, the firm, and then our fourth, Jasper, um, was born on October 11th, so, or 9th. I can't, we have I, the birthdays, it's... Yeah, it's okay. It's totally cool. The other day I was about to be five. So yeah, you're good. The other day I was like, Hey, is today our anniversary? My husband's like, yeah, I think it is. I'm like, Oh, okay. So we're not, we're not date specific, but keep going. Cause I would love to know how that dynamic works between you all. Um, so her, that's where, um, so we actually, she did all of our branding, all of our website, all of our social media, you know, kind of all of our, public face of us. And that's, that's pretty much all her. Um, and she did that from the beginning, but for, as far as being in the firm though, she went to school for to be an interior designer. And so we found out the week after we graduated from, um, Oklahoma state that she was pregnant with our first. So that changed planned. Um, she was going to go, try to get a job. There weren't any in 2012, whenever we graduated. There were literally was zero interior design jobs in Oklahoma um, whenever we graduated. Um, so she has always had the interest, has the knowledge, you know, she gets lots of it through osmosis because we talk about projects and whenever we're out to dinner, we talk about the buildings that we're in and, um, so she had lots of knowledge and we flipped houses together. And so like um, she, she has lots of knowledge. 
Um, but about a year in, it was evident that we needed her skill set in the firm and we needed it badly. And so she stepped in and started, if you're familiar with the Traction or the US, um, she's our integrator. Um, or the uh, she's holding my balloon to the ground um, or dream crusher, you know, one, one of those three options. Um, so which she fits that really well, but it, it keeps me tethered. Um, which is good, so I don't float away. Um, but it, through this, she's progressively gotten deeper and deeper into role set, and now she's sitting for her NCIDQ exams, which I'm so proud of because it didn't seem like that was on her path, but we have now been able to create the place, and she feels comfortable and confident to go after it. And so she'll be, by the end of this year, registered commercial interior designer. Um, and so she's been a lot more client facing and leading individual projects and just kind of being a lot more the glue in, in the firm. So that's, um, she does anything and everything. Um, but, um, she's a really great interior designer and really great uh, understanding, um, visuals and, um, people's emotions and how people feel. So that's impressive. The uh, four kids, she is little kids. Yeah. I yeah. mean, okay. So do you, here's the question. When you go out to dinner now, do you talk work or do you have a hard line of, we are not speaking about this outside of we the office? We don't have the hard line. Um, <laughs> so, and that's where a lot of some of the stress comes from. So, yeah. Um, so sometimes it's worse than others. Um, so it's just part of it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like having multi layer of your relationship. Cause you've got your business relationship that you have to have in front of your staff. And then you mm -hmm. have to have the parental relationship, you know, like the parenting together and then being ma married. My, this is yeah. my husband and I own this business together. And it's, uh, there are, we've had to create hard lines because otherwise mm -hmm. it, it just, it one fills into the other and then something gets neglected. So I commend you. Yeah, it's right now it's a struggle because it's summertime and our kids are just at home and they're like, so we have all boys, um, 10, eight, seven, and four. And so they're in the prime, like crazy age and we just haven't figured it out yet. And like three weeks ago, we had a windstorm that knocked our power out for five and a half days and the internet for six and a half days, which is more important than power um, with kiddos. And so um, it just, it's been, this has been the wonkiest summer we've ever had. Um, and so, because she's more in the business and so there's less slack there. I think we're getting a little bit more figured out um, we have date night this weekend. Thank goodness. It's been a while. Um, but, um, kids are going camping at the lake with my parents. Um, but you know, that's where, you know, having more discussion about like what changes are we making? Cause I've made some adjustments and we need to make some more adjustments to figure it out at least until school starts. And then for the first time, all four of them will be in school together. So it's just going to be great five days a week. Yeah. Ooh, I'm excited yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah so it'll be nice all right well courtney do you want to do rapid fire sure uh okay so what is your favorite beverage um so right now i have um it's called pinhook bourbon um so it's a newer bourbon like bourbon has just exploded i actually i take that back blanton's is my favorite but i can't get it because all the scalpers um and so it's crazy (laughs) madness um and i just haven't coughed up the money to pay a scalper for a bottle so yeah are they in colorado uh blanton's they're out of kentucky Oh, okay. Never mind. I was thinking of yeah. something else because never mind. Okay. Awesome. Do you, do you drink it? Like, how do you drink it? Is it mixed? Um, it what, what are we doing? No, either neat or with the big rock, um, in there. So awesome. Uh, the best advice you've ever been given. Um, this is one that I haven't actioned yet, but I'm looking forward to in the near future is get a, um, as a principal of a large firm in San Francisco told me, I've heard this from other business owners, get a really badass assistant that can take all of that from your plate and so that you can be you. And so that's one over the next year that we're gonna be implementing um, finally. So I'm very excited. Love that. Uh, if you could have dinner with anyone. Ray Dalio. I just, his, um, so his book on the changing world order um, and his principles, uh, principles is one of my favorites, um, but just the way that um, he thinks about things and just like, I'm a, for Myers-Briggs, a, a INTJ, and so the architect or the mastermind, and so I enjoy consuming large quantities of data and then noticing patterns and connecting the dots. He does that same exact thing. And so he's just done it in a field that makes a whole lot more money than I do. And so, um, but I just, he has been um, just very insightful and really interesting person. And uh, what's your morning routine look like? Um, so alarm, shower, um, coffee work so yeah and that's where i realized what got taken away was all of the routine and all of the foundation um so like i've read the power of habits and atomic habits just foundational books and there's a lot of truth to that and i realized what was causing so much chaos for me is that all of that habit foundation it got shifted sideways and so so now getting back to that you know it's it's there's power and habit and routine uh okay what are you currently reading (laughs) (laughs) um let's see let me pull up my good say you know he's got something he has got something well i've got uh i i always wondered about how people were able to read multiple books at a time and I've realized because like I typically have an audiobook and then at least a couple of physical books because like sometimes the mood changes and all of that. Um, so Bring Yourself um, by Maury uh, Terrapore. So she was the negotiation. Oh, 
she was awesome. Did you get that book at a time? Did you go to the summit last year? Is that where you got it? Um, No, I got it from our training in New York. Oh, Uh, okay. She was one of your instructors. I'm so jealous. Yeah. She's awesome. Love it. Um, And then let's see. I'm Mastering the Complex Sale by Jeff Toole. A really excellent sailing book. And then um, let me see. I've got one in audiobook form. Right I have now. so many oh, notes just, of all the books you've mentioned. I know. I'm like, Josh, can you send us um, a list of <laughs> books yeah. uh, so then we may post them on Instagram? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I just wrapped up literally yesterday, finished uh, Designing Your Life um, by uh, Bill Burnett. And that's a really okay. good one, too. So, yeah. Actually, here's an. It, this one is sitting because I just finished this one, and actually, it, if you watch The Bear on Hulu, this book may, had a key. It's a fantastic series. I love it. But this book was in the show, and so because that's how much impact this book has had. Um, so, anyways, I I got I got dozens. So, so I don't. Yeah. We'll go like on the book thing. I just have to so. I last year too made the goal 52 books. I hit it. Yeah. My yeah. problem though is like this year. So the very last book I read was a book by Bob Proctor. And he talked about how you got to stop jumping from book to book and like study mm-hmm. the book you read. So this yep. year, yeah. my goal is to read 52 books, but one book I may read eight times, 10 times, right? So like Think and Grow Rich is like, okay, like help me understand mm-hmm. these concepts, right? And here's the sad thing is that I've probably read that Bob Proctor book. I mean, I'm going on number eight now, I'd say seven or eight. Mm -hmm. And every time I read through it, I'm like, oh, yeah, (laughs) it's like there's things I remember, but there's things I'm learning all over again. And I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. And it's like, how am I possibly forgetting about this? So it's an, an interesting way to revisit these books. So that's why I'm a believer in reading, having annual reads because like the Steve Jobs one, like that's a big, thick book. Uh, it's like 35 hours on Audible, but I read it every year because it's so good. And there's so much in there that I pick out things every time that it's like, oh, I don't remember that. Oh, we're implementing that now. Like, and so, like, absolutely. And I did listen to that episode that you're talking about, that where you all talked about that. And that's where I'm kind of adjusting towards to where there's a couple of good ones and going to read it like three, four times in a row or whatever to really start, you know, scoop and, you know, um, putting that knowledge in there. It's almost like, though, when you do read a book for a second or third time, it's speaking to whatever is happening at that moment in mm-hmm. your life. Right. Like you didn't, that yep. concept wasn't important at that moment because you didn't need yep. it to need to absorb That's exactly it. right. Yeah. Same thing, even us just talking, it's like that reminder. It's like, oh, I didn't, I don't know what you said. Oh, the and gap. So that's where yeah. the gap in the game. And so like, there are definitely there from reading so many books and I'm one of those stubborn people where I finish every book that I read to like, I won't just give up on it. There's only one I was like, I freaking hate this. This is terrible. And like, I threw it away. And, but that's one out of, I've probably read almost 200, uh, 250 books over the last eight years or so. 
And so like, it's, there's only one that's, but I'm also curated and it's going to have decent reviews. And usually it comes from suggestions of other people. Um, and I also don't read fiction, like only nonfiction. So like, it's pretty narrowed down. Um, so yeah, but there's definitely, there are definitely good books and then there's great ones. And so it's really finding, like I've noticed on Goodreads, the app, if it's got above like a 4.15, that's typically great category. And so like if I find one and it's like a 4.3 or a 4.5, it's like this one's going to be really good. And so usually, so yeah. That's what we got to do. We just got to follow Josh on Goodreads. <laughs> yep. Um, what's a top bucket list item? Um, going to Fiji. So I just like spending a month there and just not having phone, like just going and being immersed in that with lots of cold beverages. <laughs> yeah. And what's a guilty pleasure? So this was, I, I like this question. Um, so mine is because I, I appreciate alone time. And obviously with our family situation, I don't always get to have that, but I really particularly appreciate alone time in high quality urban environments. So I got to do that while I was in New York. And so like, I just love exploring a city by myself and having like, okay, I got to end up here, but I'm going to meander all along the way and just have complete element of surprise. And so I got to do that two days out of the, the week that I was there and it was awesome. Well, and for someone like you with your knowledge and what you do for a living, like meandering in a city like New York just has to be yeah. an amazing yeah. experience for you. Cause you just, you see my, things uh, so differently. Uh huh. So my Instagram has got some good ones in it. I don't post on Insta. Uh, like my Instagram is so limited and curated. I've decided that I'm only going to post like these magical moments that I experience. So then I can go and review them and be like, yeah, those were fun. And so, but you're right. Like I see the world differently than most people as an architect. That's our role is to see it differently and be able to bring that reality to our clients and to the people that the individuals that experience the spaces that we design. And so that was one of the others that we wanted to change is most architecture thinks about the architecture. It's an ego statement. We want to, we want to design to the person that experiences it. And we want to make them have a, a fulfilling and an uplifting experience. So. Wow. That's awesome. So Josh, if somebody wanted to find out more about you, reach out, find out more about um, what y'all do, where is the best place for them to go? So our website, um, very current, um, we'll be making some updates. Thanks to 10 KSB excited to get those implemented. Um, but method method.group, um, there's no.com. We have one of the new extensions. Um, you can find me on Facebook or on LinkedIn. I'm there both places way more than I should. Um, and that's actually how we found each other. So, um, yep. 
um, but again, I'm pretty active on there. So, all right. Well, I'm glad you're active on LinkedIn. I love that place. And yes, that is how we met. I so all of that will be on our notes page over at first to arrive last sleeve. Josh, thank you so much for this. I appreciate your honesty and this, you know, because it's not about you're going through it and no one else is. It's a matter of when the, someone else is going to be going through, you know, the growing pains of a business. So I'm glad you were yeah. willing to share. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This one, this has been fun. So, yeah. Mm -hmm.